Welcome to the Catholic Cafe, where Catholic truth is served fresh daily. We've made you a reservation in the luxurious corner booth, so come on in and see what's on the menu today. Now, here's your host, Deacon Jeff Drzezemski. Greetings and welcome to the Catholic Cafe. I'm Deacon Jeff, sitting in the luxurious corner booth of the Catholic Cafe, sitting here with Thomas Patrick Dorian and, uh, I'm not going to let you respond, and Sam Ziggy Rodriguez. Tom, respond. Hello, Deacon Jeff. Oh, Sam, respond. Hi! Yes, I'm good. We got all those in, uh, and uh, so I'm glad you guys are here. Thanks for having us. I'm glad, too. Because we're going to do a study on adultery, and I really want to go right to the heart of the matter, so I figured I would... I would get some guys in here that were familiar with sin in general. I'm not. I'm not accusing either Let's of you go. of doing anything go. inappropriate. No, I'm just teasing. Because uh, trust me, we all we all are uh, sinners, as we as we well know. In fact, I probably just sinned multiple times just in that introduction. So, uh, bless me, Father, for I've sinned. If there's a priest listening right now, please uh, help me in my confession. Um, so, this week, this fifth Sunday of Lent, we are uh, we've got this reading from the Gospel of John. And it's about the woman caught in adultery. And it has so many lessons for us to unpack. And I don't know what your uh, deacon or your priest or your bishop's going to preach on uh, and, and what that's going to be like, what that homily is going to be like. But this is where I love to just kind of like break this word open because it speaks to all of us. And I, and I hope and pray that we haven't committed adultery, that that's not the sin that we're contemplating. But I get also that uh, there's just so many different ways in which we sin, and um, there's so many lessons to be learned here that I think it's a good thing to read through this and maybe kind of unpack um, this particular gospel. So maybe if you hear it before Mass, it'll help you prepare for that particular Mass. Uh, but certainly to, to uh, prepare yourself in terms of introspection and, and, and just thinking about your own life and how you're spending this Lent um, and the fact that you've got a week left. Mm-hmm. Right, another week of Lent, and use this as an opportunity uh, to grow spiritually in that way. So John chapter 8, verses 1 through 11 is what we're reading. Uh, Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, but early in the morning he arrived again in the temple area, and all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery and made her stand in the middle. They said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law, Moses commanded us to stone such women. So what do you say? They said this to test him, so that they could have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and began to write on the ground with his finger. But when they continued asking him, he straightened up and said to them, Let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again he bent down and wrote on the ground. And in response, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. So he was left alone with the woman before him. Then Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on do not sin any more. Man, there there is so much in there. Oh yeah. There's so there is. this is such a it's such a beautiful passage about mercy. Uh, but there's also so many other things that we can glean. Let's let's oh, go yeah. back to the very beginning of this. And there's some Interested, interesting things. One is, you know, Jesus has gotten a little bit of a claim at that point. People knew who he was, and he's been in the temple area several times preaching yeah. and teaching, just talking, right? And so it says he arrived again in the temple area. So they, 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 know, they know this guy. And all the people started coming to him, and he sat down and taught them. 
you know that that's not making the scribes and the Pharisees happy. Oh, heck no. It's like Jesus is back. You get all the attention. Yeah, Jesus is back. And the people are drawn to him Mm -hmm. because they want to hear what he has to say, right? And that's what riles up the scribes and the Pharisees. That's when they bring a woman, right, who'd been caught in adultery. Now, we, the scriptures don't tell you the circumstances other than she was caught in the very act. And that's the word of the scribes and the Pharisees. Right. Right. So we don't know the circumstances. It's going to be an embarrassing thing no matter what. How do you catch somebody in the act? Well, and right. which one of the scribes and Pharisees <laughs> did that, right? Right. And the other and possi- back then is it took two or, two or three witnesses. Well, two exactly. Witnesses, yeah. Well, but there's more than that. It's also possible that this woman actually didn't commit adultery. Right. And these were trumped up charges. Yep. Maybe her husband accused her of it. Mm-hmm. And women didn't have a voice in the courts, right? So it's just there's a lot of possibilities, but even so... Everyone wanted to know what Jesus thought. Well, and thinking about this, too, the dynamic. So they're trying to trap him, right? Trying to test him. Not just trying to test him. They're trying to trap him yeah. because they said they want to get him to to, to uh, uh, do something that's going to allow them to bring charges against him. Well, think about it. What they have in their head is that Jesus is a softy. Like, they know that Jesus is not going to want to kill this woman, Right. And so they want to trap him to where now that softness that they see in him is now a convictable offense, right? And I, I, th- I find that astonishing. And it's interesting, too, because they see a, a weakness and a lack of faith in what they perceive as softness. But actually, there is strength and there's wisdom and faithfulness in Christ that is witness in response and the woman's life is preserved. Mm-hmm. So I, I, I agree. I, I don't have anything to disagree with that. But but I also, I don't want to discount the fact that there is actually also, I think, just sheer jealousy. And they can't stand him. They <laughs> right. just cannot stand Jesus. And and but you what you call softness, they, they look at him and go like, this guy is so goody two-shoes. Right. I mean, this guy's always saying the right thing. Yeah, who does he think he is? The son of God. But they don't really see, they don't understand <laughs> that, right? They don't. They don't. They don't see that, and so there's this um, this condemnation that comes. And so, as we're looking at this, if we were doing some kind of uh, um, Ignatian spirituality, and we were trying to see ourselves, and we're doing lectio divina or something, we're trying to see ourselves in this story, right? Some of us might be the scribes and the Pharisees mm-hmm. because we can't stand the person like at our office that always does the right thing. Mm-hmm. He's always goody two shoes. He always says the right. Everyone thinks he's funny or. Or the boss likes him better because he does this or she does that. And so like we're like, how can we make them mess up? Right. What is it that we can do that's going to make them look bad? Mm-hmm. Right? And th- we don't necessarily want them to get fired, but we certainly don't want them to get any more elevated. We want them to get their comeuppance. That's right. We just want them to be humbled a little bit exactly. and be more like us and stop showing us up. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of that going on, which is, uh, which is I mean, it's... It's so easy for me to see myself sometimes as a scribe and a Pharisee and to to readily point to somebody else, try to find fault with them Mm -hmm. and not even look at what I'm doing. Right. Right. And and that whole idea of judging others without even putting yourself to that same test. Right. I don't think any of the scribes and the Pharisees could have even survived the test, you know, that they were inflicting on Jesus. They wouldn't have survived Mm -hmm. if it was on them. Right. Well, and it's funny too because you know here it's it's left to be pure mystery 
what Jesus wrote on the ground with his finger. And, you know, obviously whatever he wrote on the ground convicted them. Um, I've heard some people say that he wrote down their sins, you know, and, and different. At the end of the day, it's interesting the way that it's written. It's it's left for us to we can guess about it. We can pray about it. We can see what God tells us. There actually was uh, a version of the scriptures that was found recently in the caves in Qumran, and they found they found one more version, and actually it's revealed what's in there. Oh yeah, and it says specifically the asteroid will hit the Earth on April the fourth, two thousand, and then it stops. So so he. They interrupted him too many times. He was writing that out. And it's like, it would have been nice to know. But we, we'll have to see whether it was 2022, 2023. I, I don't know. You can kind of see it, though, if, it's, if they're leaving one at a time. Yeah. And he's writing in the dirt. Can't you see him writing out your sin? And you're like, I'm out of here. Right. And then he erases it. Because it's in the it, dirt. It, very much. And I, the I can see guy, that. One I, at a time. I, I 100%. Whatever he was, whatever he was scribbling... They were they they, even, even if it was something they couldn't read. The whole point is they had time to like let the one among you who has not sinned cast the first stone. Right. right. It's like they had time to ruminate on that, mm-hmm. and they look at each other and go like, "Well, I mean, he's got us there, <laughs> right?" Because he's you know most of the scribes and the Pharisees, I'm sure, are honestly they're they're people that love God. Right. Sometimes they struggle with how to love God and how to demonstrate that love, and they struggle with the word love to begin with. Right. right? And so they can be seen as as maybe too rigid. I don't know if that's a word we want to use or not. But the point is, they, that's a great word. Yeah. Well, I like that. So word. they could see that, and and that can be problematic, right? And that's the way they live, um, and they're really good at accusing, right? And the problem with being good at accusing is there's only really one accuser mentioned in the bible mm-hmm. yeah and that's a bad name for a very very bad being and that mm-hmm. is satan himself is the accuser right so being an accuser is not and they're good at that they're good right. at pointing the finger right and there's a something else i wanted to point about at the beginning up here is they made this woman stand in the middle right so it wasn't enough to say hey we're talking about you know uh judy over there Mm-hmm. Or whatever, she's in the jail cell right now, or she's yeah. in the back room. No, she was made to stand in front of everyone, and everyone circles around her. And they highlighted her. So, so it's like about it's just it's like about shame at this point. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, right. So it's 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 a given that she's guilty. There was no trial. It's been she's been named guilty, but now it's like it's not enough that she's guilty, and even that she's going to be stoned to death. But essentially that she has to be shamed, that she has to stand in front of everybody who are all looking at her. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that part, that whole idea of shaming others, uh, that, that's, 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 that's scary territory. Well, there's a big difference between guilt and shame, right? Like, so guilt is regret over something that you've done, whereas shame is regret over who you are. I would go further, though, okay. than the who you are, because it's not enough to stop there. It's like who, what, 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 what people perceive you to be, like yes. your relationships with others. Yes. And specifically with God. And how you were, yeah, how you see yourself as being named 
by others, including God. And, and, and then we'll sometimes internalize that, you know, that name for ourselves. You know, I, I'm speaking as a person who for many years I struggled with shame and, and with scrupulosity and by God's grace, uh, you know, he helped lift me out of that and receive myself and to love myself. Right. But I was, uh, hearing the accuser in my life. Right. Uh, Pointing at me a mess, and uh, you know, anytime I, I messed up, um, I would internalize that, internalize that messaging, and let that be who I was, um, and let that become how I saw myself. Because at the end of the day, you know, I think the, the the true mark of shame, we might have an idea about how these other people see us or how God sees us, but ultimately it's how we are coming to see ourselves and how, and the assumptions that we make about how God sees us. And that's when all of a sudden shame interferes with our ability to let ourselves receive the love of God because we see ourselves as not being worthy of that love. And we get caught up in the pride of that. Yeah. And also you, you said the word unworthy and all of us are unworthy of God's love. Yes. We do not, we can't earn his love, but we are not supposed to see ourselves in the, uh, of, of so unworthy of God's love that God is not capable of loving us anyway. Right. And, and that, and that can be in and of itself, um, a, a problem because how you view yourself, um, as a broken person that is loved, if you if that if you if it's proper that way, everything's okay. There's nothing wrong with a little with a little shame. And the Bible talks about shamelessness and living a shameful life. Why that's not good? So it calls out the sinfulness of this of this viewpoint. So a little Catholic uh, guilt, and then even a little Catholic a shame, thing. is going to help us to see that we we don't want to live this way. But it, but we can't allow that shame to come, become, uh, or that that view of unworthiness to become a self fulfilling prophecy. That basically, I believe that God cannot love me. It right. is not possible. Well, then now we're getting into uh, this idea of the unforgivable sin. Saint Augustine saying that it's essentially believing that even God can't forgive you. Mm-hmm. Well, what's in the, if you think about it when we're talking about this worthiness of love like as you said none of us are worthy of love you know what what does saint peter mother Teresa, and adolf hitler have in common none of them were worthy of god's love right and at the end of the day you could say that a you can think of our, our i feel like our soul as sort of a spiritual antenna god's love as a signal Right, and a lot of us have very broken antennas, and our ability to receive the signal isn't to comment on the actual strength of the signal. God is pouring His love upon every single person. You divide infinity, you still get infinity, right? He's pouring His love completely upon every single person. But if we and He's doing that as a free gift, it's free. He's freely choosing. To do that, and you know what? It's not, and at the end of the day, it isn't a, just about us, right? We are. He's desiring to pour his love into us that we might receive it, and he might love others through us, right? Mm-hmm. But if we get in the way and we decide to step in as judge and say, "Uh, uh-uh, uh, 
I don't see myself as worthy of that love, then what we're doing is we are creating an obstacle to God giving that free gift and loving others through us. And we might see it as some sort of a righteousness to to beat our chest and talk about how we're the worst of all sinners and how we don't deserve love or think of ourselves in this way, et cetera, et cetera. But ultimately, we're getting in the way of the good that God can do through us and the love that God can share through us because the whole point of our faith is he can work through anybody and he desires to work through each of us amen brother what he said yeah yeah tom (laughs) tom Tom ratifies that yeah so the thing is we have to know that god loves us right as we are like broken as we are right he sees the potential in us but he sees oh he sees beyond our brokenness he he knows what we were created and made for and that's what he he loves us so even in our brokenness he doesn't love the future us. Mm-hmm. He loves us now, and that's that's important. I think it was the uh, a, a famous saint, uh, Saint William of Joel. Yeah, he wrote, "I love you just the way you are. Don't go changing." Anyway, so no, he didn't write that. William of Joel. <laughs> I think that's who that was. But no, so that it's important Somebody that we understand. Well, who is that? Yeah, saint William of Joel. Um, I, I just I I know that it's it's. Um, it's not easy to realize that concept of being loved, right? Because so many of us, we want to beat up on ourselves and say, I'm unlovable, right? But, but we are. So God loves us. That's, that's a, it's, a, it's a hard concept for us as humans to understand because we're human, right? We're not divine. That's why the closer we stay to the sacraments, essentially the more divine-like we can become, Right, the the more that we receive His grace, right? You are what you eat. The more we go to confession, the more that we um, uh, receive the Eucharist. The more that we can think more like God. We're not God, but the more we can think like God. Well, and the more we are aware, because like I said, guilt can be a, a healthy thing if it's used rightly. The more we are aware of the misery that we've brought upon ourselves, the more that we are aware of our sinful nature and our tendency to sin, and how if it was a question of worthiness, how unworthy we would be, the more we are aware of that and own that, the greater our capacity to honor God's mercy. If we then recognize that God's mercy covers that too yeah but if we refuse to have that extra step you know then it's all just about us beating ourselves up and we don't have the complete story that yeah the complete story part of it is our brokenness Mm -hmm. but that story is incomplete if it's not covered by the mercy of jesus christ so let the one among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. That's a whole other thing we need to talk about a little bit here. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Um, and, you know, you've heard about the, you know, people, you know, who live in glass houses shouldn't throw, you know, rocks and all that kind of stuff. Uh, th- there's so much truth there. Um, I, we were just at um, a men's conference, and Chris Stefanik was talking, and he talked about this idea of, of essentially judging others like he he gave the example of like you know you cut somebody off in traffic and you're like oh sorry beep beep having a bad day sorry about that just kind of got distracted sorry didn't mean to do it you know but when they cut us off <laughs> there we we instantly judge them as the world's worst most selfish human being that like these are the kind of wretched people that this world is filled with and we're very we're quick to put people in there mm-hmm. you know and the, this is what jesus is getting at with uh like, look, if you've never, if you have never sinned, 
go ahead and start chunking the rocks. Mm-hmm. Let's go ahead and let's go ahead and do that. Yeah, and these are the Pharisees and scribes. That's right, exactly. And so it's obvious that we, this is why I still think that at their heart, in their heart, Pharisees and scribes are actually God loving. They are. They have. They. They. They're the way they go about things ends up not being the right way to do it. It's not necessarily a horrible thing to be Pharisaical. Right. I mean. But it, but it usually is used in a negative They've way. Gotten too caught up in the law. They're that's there for that's the exactly sake. right. That's exactly right. But but the purpose and the meaning of what they're trying to do it's is well they want to live the way God, right? And so we're at a time where we're transitioning in in humanity from Ten Commandments and six hundred thirteen laws of Moses to uh, uh, to a time where neighbor. Jesus is loving, saying, "Love your neighbor, turn the other cheek," uh, and he's essentially taking that law. The same law and helping you see a whole different perspective, right? right? And and it's hard for some people, especially the guys that have been in charge of the community, the spirituality of that community for umpteen years, and now you're telling them, like, that's not what's important. But who are you to tell me? I got the big hat, right. and I got the big fancy clothes, mm-hmm. right? And so, so that gets – but even they – can you imagine what's going through their mind and, and what that – the first guy that dropped his stone and walked away? Oh, yeah. I mean, and then the second guy because thought, he had like, to own it. He had to own it. Yeah. He was the first one. And yeah. I know that, like... They had to be very angry. Well, except... Walking away. I don't know. Were I they? I imagine they were. Or maybe yeah. they... Angry they who? Think about it. They, they were shaming this woman, and the, and the whole thing was turned on them. Mm. And he shamed them very quietly. Yeah, but they, right, they had right. to walk away just very angry. But they walked away. And dropped that rock. They walked away, though. They did. And that tells me that they acquiesced, right? Yeah. And, and, and I would imagine that when one walked away and then, like, the next guy walked away, it's like, well, Ralph walked away. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know? And uh, Bubba just left, too. Mm-hmm. Ralph and Bubba are gone. And, and as they start going away... And there goes Sam. Well, you know, there's, <laughs> there's, there's, uh, there's two or three left. They're, like, going... We are not going to be the ones responsible for stoning this woman. <laughs> yeah. So at that point in time, the tide was was, was had turned, yeah. and everything was changing. But that's how Jesus works, I think. Also, yeah. it starts in this subtle way, and then it becomes a wave. But th- yeah. that there's a phrase that's a bit of a trope there. There, but by the grace of God, go I. Right when we see somebody who's mm-hmm. fallen upon misfortune, is oftentimes mm-hmm. that we say it. But what if we were to say that phrase? When we talk about somebody that we're ready to judge, yeah, you know, there but by the grace go I. I'm reminded of t- there was a story of a soldier who was in a bitter fight um, with uh, in, in a civil war in an area in Europe. I forgot where exactly where it was, but it was a place where it was time where it was brother against brother. Yeah, and in this battlefield where most people were dead. This guy who was still alive, he hears somebody who he knew from was on the other side was calling for help, and at first he wanted to go kill that guy because he wasn't dead yet. Yeah. But what he heard God say in his heart is, "That is your other self." Mm-hmm. And at this time where we have so much us versus them division in uh-huh. the world, maybe what we should do is when we yeah we might get angry about the stuff that they are saying. Mm-hmm. But if we can look and say, there but by the grace of God go I, mm-hmm. and try to bridge that divide and see them as an other self and love them right. in that moment, that might be the thing 
that could actually transform that moment and transform that relationship as opposed to just perpetuating the, the divisiveness and the anger all the more. Amen. And we need that in our culture right now, big time, because there is a lot of us in them. And we need to see ourselves in them and allow them to see themselves in us. And, and they're, 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 we need more of that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So more conversation, more love, uh, more respect, more human dignity. Those are the answers to all the problems in the world. And it seems like it gets harder and harder for us to do that uh, every time. But maybe we stop judging, right? We stop trying to throw stones first uh, and then like think about our own sinfulness, right? right? Um, And then uh, Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She's replied, No one, sir. Then Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, do that sin as much as you want. No, he, oh, he does. No, he doesn't say that. I, I think it's important for us to remember that Jesus does not condemn her. She uh, apparently she's a he sinner herself. Well, but apparently she's a sinner, right? Yeah. Apparently she's guilty of of adultery. I'm assuming that because because of the circumstances. Let's just take it at face value. She's she's an adulteress, and so um, Jesus says, "I do not condemn you." They didn't condemn you, and I don't condemn you. But he doesn't, like, leave it there. Because a lot of people think, like, well, if he's not going to condemn her, I mean, is he saying it's okay to be to commit adultery? Right. He doesn't. And this is what we all need to understand about ourselves when we sin. It's not that we're, it's okay for us to sin. We are still loved. We are not condemned, especially if we have contrition and we have repentance in our hearts. And we, there's metanoia. And there's, there's this turning that we do. And we turn to God because we're sorry for our sins. But there's an expectation that we go and sin no more. Yes. Right. There's an expectation that there's a firm purpose of amendment. When we do our confidio or when, we, when, we, when we're doing, you know, oh, oh, my God, I'm heartily sorry for having offended you. Mm-hmm. Right? When we do our act of contrition, you know, we're saying that with the help of God's grace, I will, I will go and I will, uh, sin no more sin. and avoid the near occasion of sin. That's well, what I'm going to do. And it's God's grace that makes it possible. So if we want to receive God's mercy, it's not just about getting free of the punishment. It's welcoming the thing, his mercy, his grace into us to operate within us, to lift us out of those ruts and those inclinations and set us on the path to be mercy towards others. Yeah, we need to leave that sort of contractual, legalistic community of like an exchange like i won't you know i did this i recognize i did this i forgive you the transaction is complete instead we need to be like totally enveloped in the love and the mercy and respect of uh, of of others and and that's the way that 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 we become part of this economy of love that god has intended for all of humanity mm-hmm. and that's the thing that we need to do and recognize folks that we need to stop judging others and admit that we're sinners and and meet people where they are Right, without that judgment, and not cast all these stones, but then also realize that we're not condemned, that we're loved by God, uh, and we're asked to go with a firm purpose of amendment and change our lives, but we're loved Mm. as we are. Let's ask the Blessed Mother to be with us in this process. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now at the hour of our death. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Catholic Cafe. If you'd like to contact Deacon Jeff, send him an email at deaconjeff at thecatholiccafe.com. Visit us on the web at thecatholiccafe.com. You can also find us on iTunes or follow us on Facebook and Twitter.
The Catholic Cafe is brought to you by the Order of Malta Federal Association. Join us again at the Catholic Cafe, serving up salvation one cup of coffee at a time.